Welcome to The One Guys Show, where we're going to be bringing you nutritional and mindset insights to help you gain nutritional freedom, lose weight faster, build a winner's mindset, all without the stress, guesswork, and sacrifice that you're used to. Now, this podcast specializes in helping women break free from the dieting shackles that society has placed them in and provides them with a clear path to success. So let's dive in. So welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode. Now, today we have a special guest on the show, which we are super excited to bring to you. So I'm excited to introduce you the straight-talking donut connoisseur, fitness coach, (laughs) Jared Hamilton. How are you doing, man? What's up, fellas? I appreciate you having me on. What an intro, man. (laughs) I've done my research. I love that. It's amazing. How's everything going with you? It's good, man. It's good. Things are good. Obviously, I've just given a little brief (laughs) intro there, but rather than me going in a bit more depth, why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners and, you know, let us a little bit, let them know kind of like who you are, what you do, what the score is. So I'll just uh, hand this moment over to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for those that don't know, my name is Jared Hamilton. I'm a 29-year-old coach. I do mostly online coaching and public speaking. I'm from Indiana over in the States and I've been coaching people for about a decade or so. And it's, this is, this is all I do. So all I do is online coaching, but most of my stuff where people start to like, where I started to get traction at is the whole donut thing. Cause I made it well known that like I'm a fitness guy, but my favorite foods donuts. And what really set that in stone with the donut thing was um, back in 2019, I did my own little like case study with myself. I got tired of everyone saying like certain foods store fat. So for the six months straight, I did what I call the daily donut, where I had between one and three donuts every single day and lost 30 pounds and got stronger and felt a thousand times better. Um, but that's that's where the donut thing usually comes from. But otherwise, most of my stuff where I focus on with people and what I teach a lot is a lot of the mindset and inner work and how it ties to weight loss and, and achievement, because those two worlds usually are completely separate. Everyone thinks of like, like what your most fitness coaches just talk about either calories and strength training or diet culture but no one addresses your mental health, your headspace, your inner work, how to change you at an actual psychological behavior level. So that's where like, I've kind of coined it where I call it dieting from the inside out or the psychology of fat loss. That's where most people like find my content more helpful is in, cause I dive in almost, I don't I hate the word specialize, but where I kind of more than my anything, that's where I talk and where when I client wise, that's almost everyone I work with very rarely to someone like, Hey, I just want to lose weight. It's like, Hey, my relationship with, with food is terrible. How do I fix it? Or, Hey, I binge every other day. So that's usually where all of my stuff comes from because I just want people to be thriving and astronomically happy and not have to have this battle 30 years to lose 30 pounds and stuff like that. So, but otherwise I'm outside of that, I'm a pretty normal dude. I have three dogs. I married my first girlfriend and I really like donuts. So <laughs> <laughs> we should have all had donuts. <laughs> yeah, right. we should have. <laughs> I want to uh, just take it back to like right at the beginning what you're saying there. So are you, your Obviously, given now COVID times and stuff, like prior to COVID, were you were you always pure online or were you like a hybrid one-to-one or has it always just been online coaching you've been doing? That's a great question. So before I got online, so I actually got online years ago, but it wasn't because of COVID I switched online. So I built, so I've been coaching people professionally for almost a decade. I'd started when I was in college, but I built before I even got into online, I was an entirely in-person personal trainer. So Um, I built like a really successful in-person training business from like nothing and 
that's all I did was in-person personal training. But right around the time that was coming to a head, I started doing a lot on social media. I started really building the business side of it a lot and things went really well. And that's when I um, got a mentor in the online coaching realm and we started getting into online coaching and fast forward, you know, three, four years. It's all I do. So all I do is exclusively online coaching. I don't do in-person training. Um, I have like a team that that works for me as well, where, you know, if someone wants to work, like either I'm not always taking on clients or what have you, where some, I have now a team that takes on clients as well as myself. And all I do is online now. So I think that, like, I think this is so important, like, and a great point to note is that like, I see so many, especially nowadays, and we can't really get around it because of COVID, gyms being shut like around the world. So people are just diving straight into online coaching, but there's a massive, like what I have seen throughout, because I'm exactly the same, like I've, I've been coaching for like, 10 years or so and the, like, the majority of that has been actually one-to-one face-to-face now what i see is a massive difference as well with like online coaches now that haven't had that one-to-one element they don't quite understand human behavior and human psychology as much because i think the only other contact they've ever had with their clients is like at a quick email just to say like how is things going on how is it going but like when you actually have that one-to-one contact and you can have that deep, meaningful conversation. Like I've had some sessions in the past where I've had this session planned out. We've actually just sat on a bench and spoke about some some serious issues that, you know, has actually helped them overcome that hurdle and take them to the next step. And without that conversation, like they never would have got over that. So how do you feel like that is a massive part of the piece and something that's really important to have that? like experience? Yes and no. I think part of me says yes. Part of me thinks almost like if you want to be the best online coach you could be, it helps having in-person experience just because you take things to a whole nother level. You literally are two feet from your client. You can watch things. You can keep things tighter. You can have more communication now. But would I say you cannot be a good online coach without having in-person experience? I wouldn't say that because I've seen Otherwise, I think if you want to use the word optimal and say the the most optimal way to be the best online coach is to have in-person experience. Now, I will say this though, I think because of exactly the reason you just said, I think beginning online coaches need to make it more like in-person as much as they can. This is when they're, if someone isn't a seasoned online coach, because there's, I'm sure as you guys can tell, there's a lot of extra techniques, if you will, in the ways of communication and making sure clients are okay and checking in. And there's like the artwork, the art side of it. But so in the beginning, when someone doesn't have those tools of the trade, so to speak, I think that's when we need, they need to have more phone calls, more FaceTime calls, overly communicate with the client. Because if you're not there with them and you're beginning coach, I mean, that's when you might be setting up more frequent phone calls. That way you can have like that bench conversation or checking in more frequently to make sure things don't go bad. I think that's where that comes in versus just like a three worded email, (laughs) you know, (laughs) um, So if someone's a newer coach online, I think it's better in that case to just have more communication, see more form videos, hear more from them and have more phone calls. I don't think they're mutually exclusive, so. No, that's a, yeah, it's a very, very valid point. So I'm always intrigued. What got you into the fitness industry? What was, what was the thing that, that, you know, led you down that path? It was a total accident. (laughs) No, it's crazy. It was literally a total accident. So I was an undereducated homeschooled kid that had no idea what I wanted to do, what I wanted to do with my life. And so I'm like, okay, now I'm going to college. This is scary. I have no freaking clue what I want to do. So physical therapy sound the, the most tolerable. I definitely wasn't passionate about it. Physiology fascinated me, like how mechanics work and muscles and bones and planes of motion and things like that. The nerdy side of it, it fascinated me. And 
right around that time I was getting, I was in the gym a lot. So I'm like, Oh, okay, let's do physical therapy. You make decent money and it's kind of fitnessy related was not passionate about it. It was literally like, what's the most tolerable I can do for the next 60 years of my life. So that's how I started. When I was in school, I was studying kinesiology with the intent of being a physical therapist. And I started down that route. And part of the prerequisites for the course was some trainer classes, like personal trainer prep classes and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, this is dope. So I was started falling in love with um, the training side from like personal training and more fitnessy, less like doctoral injury prevention, physical therapist, but like fitnessy. And I'm like, this is what's up. This is cool. And then I started doing personal training through that because one of the classes, like you got certified and I'm like, oh, I can make decent money and schedule clients between classes. This is legit. <laughs> so there started my personal training nice. business where I'm like, I'm literally just going to put clients between classes instead of trying to work a nine to five and be stressed. I'm like, I'm literally just going to put clients where I want them. So that's what started my training, like personal training. I was working for like three different gyms at the time while building my own thing and whatever. Fast forward a few years down the road and my independent personal training business was like bumping. I was doing really well. I quit all my commercial gym jobs, like where, you know, like YMCA's and university gyms. I like was able to quit those. And I was an independent personal trainer in a mom and pop gym. Fast forward a couple more years. I'm the guy. Like it was the best situation ever where like in my, I live in a smaller town, but like I was the guy to go to, I would get stopped in the freaking Walmart about like, Hey man, well, how do I lose weight? And I'm like, I don't even know you like, <laughs> because, because word of mouth just became so great in that small town Midwest vibe where I became known as the go-to for all of this stuff, which was a blessing. And then I started posting online and then that's where things took off, uh, online wise, but it. I actually got into it on an accident. Then I found out how much I love this. Cause I've always been since a really young age, I've always been kind of entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. So I've, I mean, I've had other jobs, but I hated working for people. I would rather like work for myself. So I basically am like, what can I do that? I love doing that helps people that I also can work for myself. And then this was the perfect collide. And then one thing led to another, I got more passionate. I loved it more. It started to, you know, become more rewarding things like that. So I love that. So going back to the supermarket, did you find when you were, you know, your, your prime of coaching and stuff, you'd actually have clients and members that you'd see in the supermarket, they'd have a shopping basket of obviously different items of like chocolate, alcohol and stuff. I'm not, I shit you not, I, I used to have clients that would see me and I could see them run away because they knew that they had all this stuff in their basket and they think that I would come and obviously have a massive go at them. But it's also they look at your basket. Like I still get that now. Like someone sees you in the supermarket and I see them like, they don't even look me in the eye. They look at my basket and they ask my basket, how you doing? Like, how you doing? I'm like, yeah, I'm good, thanks. Like, do you want to yeah, No, I would, have, I would have the exact same thing happen. I would see a client or someone I knew and they've got like donuts and alcohol and all sorts of, you know, not even any like fruit or vegetable in their basket. And I don't give a shit. Like I've, and I have donuts in my basket like as we're talking like, <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh yeah, this was much, uh, and they got, get uncomfortable. And I'm like, I don't care. Like I have donuts and bourbon in my basket, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, but it's, it's, it's pretty funny, but yeah, that would happen all the time. It's almost like when you're at a get together and like a minister comes to the party and it's like, oh yeah, I haven't been to church. And, uh, uh and they're like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I would always be like, my first thought would be like, I see a client with a crate in their basket and I'm like, why the hell have I not been invited to this party? What's going on? Where they think that right. I'm like, 
Yes. Um, uh, th- this this is for my my partner. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, right, right? okay. It's like, can I be your partner? I want some. Jared, what I absolutely love about your content, and you alluded to it at the beginning a little bit, is that you're you're not a coach that's just you know shouting about calorie deficit and all of this. Like, you're almost talking about the stuff in the fitness industry which isn't so sexy, but it's the thing that people need to know. So. Why is it that you feel like that piece of content is like so important for people to understand rather than like just calorie deficit? I love that question so much. So first of all, this is just where I feel drawn as a person, what I feel in my heart. This is like, if coaches are listening to this, this is the number one piece to getting viral content. Post what's in your heart, not what you think is going to be trendy, right? It's so a year ago, two years ago, I was posting only like calorie deficit daily donut, optimal ways to grow your glutes and not your quads, like that kind of stuff, because that's what was where I was. Well, now uh, I, you know, things are at a different point and, and that's when I want to, I just don't feel, I feel heavy about that stuff. So now I feel more drawn to posting about what I do now, which is more the psychology of fat loss and where all this stuff ties together. Because if you're not handling this at the foundational psychological level, any physical result you get will be trash, right? Like if you're going to build, let's say you have the opportunity to build the house of your dreams, a multi-million dollar mansion. And you tell the builders, Hey, forget the foundation. I don't want to wait that long. Just put the walls and roof up. Like you'd be ignorant because it's like, it would not last, but taking the time to make sure the foundation is secure. You can put any house on top of it and it'll thrive for the next hundred years. This is no different. But no one in the fitness industry likes to talk about this because you can't sell it. You can't be like, buy this bottle to lose 30 pounds in 30 days or buy my weird wrap that does stupid stuff. It's like, hey, how about we handle our thoughts? Hey, let's actually separate emotions from food. Hey, you have some inner child issues. We need to handle that. You know what I mean? Yeah. like, And it's so, so important because it's. I see it now. Like, I see a lot of coaches like they they are trying to like almost grab your attention by this shiny object, something that you, that they know you want to hear that is going to grab your attention. And from a marketing standpoint, it makes sense, but it does absolutely nothing for the individual. And if you're in for coaching to help the individual get to where they want to get to and live a much better life, like you need to be teaching this stuff about like habits, behaviors and stuff like that, because you're, you're soon going to jump on the program or you're going to jump on a program into a calorie deficit. And as a coach, you're going to realize like, oh shit, this person is just going through the same dieting cycle over and over and over again. And it's until you actually address the root cause, that's that's kind of the biggest issue. And Ryan actually, like, Ryan talks um, a lot of depth into this in his content about, you know, the habits and behaviours and stuff that, that are so, so important for longevity of your programme. That's the most important thing, I think. And it's like, you know, don't get me wrong, like I shout about, you know, a calorie deficit. And the reason I sometimes also throw about it about is because I'm also going it from an aspect of like, keep it simple because so many people overcomplicate it in so many different ways. And I'm like, right, cool. If we can just get this message, like, look, whatever method you take, the only reason why it's worked is a calorie deficit. But then I'm also like, but what you got to realize is like, it's, it's simple, but it's not easy. Like everything that comes around with that. We have a whole coaching call on mindset once a week going about relationship with food, self-sabotage, mindful eating, relationship with the scales, because these are the things that no one else, you know, it's other coaches, you know, we do, you do, who are trying to like, you know, realize- But it's not mainstream. Nah, it doesn't, you know, it's, it doesn't sell all the time. It's not sexy, you know, 
dropping 50 pounds in two weeks that sells like and you're like what about working on your relationship with food and they're like i don't give a monkeys about my relationship with food like i've got a wedding in six weeks time i don't want to fit into that size eight dress and look incredible like that's all i care about yeah jared i'm interested obviously you were talking a lot about the donuts and stuff like that did you get people approach you for the wrong reasons as in like were you getting people that were coming to you and thinking like they're basically looking for an excuse to jump on a diet to so they can solely eat donuts because obviously like the majority and for the listeners out there like it's it, you're not it, you're not having x amount of calories of donuts all day like, right right it's not only yeah no i think i only had a couple cases where people are like how do you eat only donuts all day and i'm like you obviously didn't watch the effing video that was the whole point is it, uh, behind that whole project was showing people balance moderation and how you can have whatever you want and without stressing about it and still achieve every goal you could want, you could, you could possibly desire. So that's when I did that. It was, it was definitely saying, Hey, like my daily calories are like 3000 and 350 are coming from this donut. And people are like, Oh, I get it now. You know, that's literally like getting $3,000 a day to spend. And you spend like 350 bucks on a watch. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it's, it's the same. And that's what I was trying to get across. Yeah. And it's also like the point of adherence, like, like the point of proving that like these foods don't make you fat like pure and simple but also actually including these foods help adhere to it like tactically yeah absolutely. Like, i'd love to have seen like your actual like positive psychology behind that the whole time that you were dying and eating three donuts a day you're like this is the this is the dream here like i'm losing weight and i'm still crushing my donut goals yeah no absolutely and, and that was the thing is what i try to well the biggest thing i try to teach people when it comes to this stuff is like your discipline and willpower should not be maxed down on the day-to-day right? Everyone talks about suffering, working harder than anyone else. It's like, I don't want to work that hard. On a scale of one to 10, your discipline on the daily and your discipline and willpower should be like a two out of 10, enough to say it's annoying. Like it's tracking your calories is more of an inconvenience than actually hard. It's like making your bed. It's just easier not to do. Restricting crazy amounts of calories, restricting foods, never eating them again, doing the keto diet, eating super low calories. That's a nine out of 10. Like I don't want to work that hard. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like making money, even though, yeah, do I work hard to like earn a living? Absolutely. But it's what I love and I'm passionate and feel called to do. So it's not that hard, right? This is not hard for me to do because this is what I'm passionate about. So like, even it's, it's like every level, if we can cause as little amount of friction as possible, that's to get the best amount or the biggest result. That's what's best. hundred yeah. percent. Biggest return on investment. And I love that. And I think like Jordan Syatt did it as well, didn't he, with burgers um, and I think I still now, like, you know, if I put like, you know, some chocolate on my porridge or someone sees me eating a Domino's, they're like, how? And I'm like, it's just a bit of accountability. Like you just think about what you're doing. And as long as you're accountable and you take a bit of ownership, like you can do it. It's cool. But I think that's where sometimes perhaps we struggle is exactly like I said, it's like maybe taking a bit of like ownership of it, but also we we don't want to work too hard. So it's like, ah, oh, you know, it's just, that's just a little bit like, difficult so we think the easiest way is just to get to our you know cut all that out yeah but just taking a bit of a bit of ownership wasn't it it was saying about you know finding that that like you can have all these things you've just got to take a bit of um ownership over what you do and just be a bit accountable and i think sometimes we sacrifice the long term for the short term we want the results yesterday so we're like if we just cut everything out we'll get to our weight loss goals quicker and it's like but what you've got to realize is whatever you did to get there you have to keep doing to stay there so if it wasn't sustainable, you are just going to go back to your default. And I think, I mean, I love this. At the, I've said this a couple of times and I love it. It's like, you never ate to put on weight. It was a reflection of your lifestyle behaviors and habits. So to lose weight, 
Try and focus on your lifestyle behaviors and habits as well, because then weight loss will become a part byproduct of everything you're doing on the daily, of the little things that you're broken down, like the little process goals, as it were, that you can just eventually look to achieving this bigger outcome. I agree with that a, a thousand percent. People, what people forget is people have like this, um, it's almost kind of hypocritical. Like people do this perfectly with money, but when it comes to weight loss, they're like, I'm an all or nothing person. It's like, wait a second. What, what does this sound like to you? What, like with, with money, people have this cool thing called a monthly budget and a monthly income or whatever time period, daily, weekly. But then they spend the majority of their income on responsible purchases like paying off debt, groceries, their electric bill, saving some. But then because all of that's in check, they'll spend money on stupid shit they don't need in like a t-shirt on sale, fast food, a nice watch, but it's, they do that because the majority is taken care of. That's literally what we're teaching with weight loss and food. It's like spend the majority of your calorie budget on foods that are great for you, that make you feel good, Yeah, man. but eat the damn donut. Yeah. <laughs> like You can afford it. It's fine. And people go, but I'm an all or nothing person. It's like, no, you're not. You're just acting like it when it comes to fitness and fat loss. And it doesn't serve you anymore, even if you did. Yeah, so, <laughs> man, it's so true. And this is what I said to our clients, I think, in a call before. I was like, look at it like money. Like, you know that you have a daily budget. If you go over that, that's fine. Like, you're allowed to. Don't freak out. Like, if you go into your overdraft, you've just got to realize you've got to pay that back. You use a credit card, you've got to pay it back. As long as you can take ownership and know that you have to pay that back. If you keep spending, you're going to get yourself into debt. And that's what you've got to realize, that you can't borrow. But also, you don't have to spend it all. And this is what we teach. Everyone assumes that you have to spend it all in one day and you're like, you're not. Like, look at your calories across the week. Look at your weekly budget rather than trying to worry about the daily because the daily comes with so many bumps and roadblocks in the way. It's like, as soon as you think you've messed up the day, that's it, you're right off the week. It's like, whereas actually, if you look at it from a week perspective, if you go over one day, it doesn't matter because you've still got another four or five days <laughs> right. to kind of bring that back and, you know, reel that bank account back in. Yep. It, it goes back to like most people, are almost hypocritical about it. It's I, this is my favorite. It's, I call it the toothbrush analogy. If some, when it comes to dieting, people are so quick to like, if they mess up on a Wednesday, they're like, I'm gonna just start over Monday. And I'm like, what if you fell asleep on your couch on Wednesday and didn't brush your teeth? Would you wait till Monday to brush your teeth again? <laughs> no, that's disgusting. No one would do that. But so if, if you wouldn't do that for brushing your teeth, then why wouldn't, why would you do it this way? It's like, no, you would just get up and go, oops, I fell asleep on the couch. I messed up. And you would brush them like nothing happened. You wouldn't feel guilty. You wouldn't be remorseful. You wouldn't beat yourself up and you wouldn't say, I'm an all or nothing person and wait till Monday, right? Yeah, you would man. just go, oh, forgot and brush them and you'd be back on track. It's no different with this weight loss stuff. Because it's also every time you do that, you put yourself a further away from what you want to achieve. You know, you want to keep clean teeth hygiene and you want to maintain your teeth for as long as possible. The whole time you're missing four days you are literally just putting yourself back further it's and disgusting. further. The whole <laughs> not only are you gonna like not have a relationship because your breath smells, like your dentist right. is not gonna be happy, and you're gonna have dentures by the age of 40. Like no one wants yep. that. And it's yep. the same with weight loss. The whole time you put it off, you're just making excuses. And I think you're almost then, you know, that's another four days that you're probably over gonna overconsume before you try and cut and restrict. You're also then worsening, you know, your relationship with calories and, and food, you're worsening your ability to get any momentum, you know, you're just stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. And I think that's what it is as well, is understanding that it's not the perfect road. You've just got to remember that every mistake, there's an opportunity for you to learn from. As long as you step back and allow that, 
cool. Like you can be successful. No one goes. And I think, you know, is this, is this, you know, the diet industry's fault? There's always like six week, eight week, 10 week, 12 week plans. And it's like, is that our fault for perhaps promoting, you know, a time frame on this? Maybe we should just say you sign up for your goal. Like you work with us until you get to your goal. Oh, I is think timelines are just ignorant. I think they, I think, I think it's the worst thing ever because here's what happens. We're getting really deep in the psychology and headspace world. As soon as you put a timeline on something, the person instantly operates out of lack from that moment forward. They instantly go, I'm behind. I'm not going to make it. And they instantly operate out of a place of lack and desperation and chaotic hurry, right? Think about any time you do anything in a hurry and be out of lack. If you're like, like running late for work and you, uh, if you're running late for work, you, you won't even be able to get your keys in your car because you're like, I got to And you're like, you, you're, you're in a chaotic state, right? If you're trying to drive to the grocery store as fast as possible, you're going to get caught behind all the slow cars. You're going to run over a kid. You're going to get in an accident. It's like operating out of desperation and chaotic stress is the slowest way to get to your goal. But when people say, oh, I've got 12 weeks, I've got eight weeks, they go, I'm behind. And they instantly operate out of a place of lack and desperation, which changes execution. Yeah, that's so, so true. I speak to so many women that, that, that pretty much just that do this. So it's it has its place. It works having a time constraint. Like say you've got a wedding or stuff like that. Some people will just take execution and they'll get to the goal. Now, it's a completely an, another argument if they're going to maintain those results or anything like that. However, you're so, so, so right. Because what you see there is someone's got this like, six month timeline for their wedding. Now, on the face of it, they're like six months, I've got ages. So they're a little bit chilled with it. They start, they get into the approach, but then it gets to the three month timeline and you see the most unsustainable things that happen. And then even if they do reach their goal on their wedding day, they can barely stand up at the altar and uh, go through the process. And then they gain all the weight, their weight back in the next day. Exactly that. Yeah, yeah, so true. Well, this is <laughs> this is what I absolutely love about your content is like you have so many, I think you call them like unpopular truths, don't you? You have like unpopular truths. Oh yeah, or my weird analogies or whatever. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> like for, so anyone, for all the listeners, like you need to, we'll, we'll pop all the links in the show notes and stuff, but you, you, you've got to go and follow Jared. But what are some like unpopular, I'm probably throwing on the spot a little bit here, but what are some like unpopular truths that you feel like the listeners, now bearing in mind a lot of our listeners are going to be um, like female fat loss specific. Yeah. So what do you feel like are some unpopular truths that they need to know? It's not going to be quick. It's going to, um, fast fat loss is supposed to be slow. A lot of people will be like, Jared, I, I haven't, it's been 30 whole days and I, or it's been a whole month and I haven't lost any weight. And I go, good. You're not supposed to like, it's slow as fuck. It is sl fast. Fat loss is ridiculously slow. First one. Second of all, um, fat loss is not supposed to, to be linear. People go, oh, well, I lost like, I was losing like two pounds a week and now I haven't lost any weight. I'm like, good. Plateaus means you're doing this right. So linear, fat loss is not supposed to be linear. Number three, you're not supposed to be motivated all the time. You know what happens if you're motivated all the time? We call that being God and that's, you're not God. <laughs> like, like we're, not, we're, not, we're imperfect humans. You're, you, you would literally be a freak of nature if you were motivated every second of the day, right? So that's where discipline comes in. So you're not supposed to be motivated and fired up all the time. So when you're not motivated, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. That doesn't mean something's out of place. That means you're effing human. So you're not supposed to be motivated all the time. Number four, uh, you're going to mess up and it's totally fine. It's, it's not about what you do. Some of the time that matters is what you do the majority of the time. And 
it, you're supposed to mess up. It, it's like anything else, your job, parenting, owning a business, driving your car, you're going to mess up. That's why you, the, the power is and the timing of getting back on track. Those what I would say are the big four. Those are the big four ones that like, if people just get their expectations in check, it fixes the experience. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. Like, I think the amount of times that I have a question and people are like, oh, I just don't have the motivation. And I think one one thing that we found as well has been, you know, we always say to all of our clients, motivation cyclical. It's not around forever. One of the, and I literally respond to everyone that says this. They're like, how do you get more motivation? And I'm like, it's not motivation you need. I was like, your why isn't big enough. Like, why do you actually want to achieve this? Because if you have this thing that's just like wishy-washy superficial level that I just want to look better, it's like, you're not going to be motivated. The days that you wake up and you don't want to, you're not going to have the dis better discipline to be like, oh, but don't forget you want to look better because you spent the last 10 years not looking as good as you want. So what's another year down the line? Doesn't matter. If you have this underlying thing that's like, you know what? I want to look better because I haven't had sex with the lights on for 10 years. I don't get undressed in front of my partner. I can't run around after my kids. I've got arthritic knees and I'm worried about getting diabetes because it runs in my family. Like you you for sure, hell, that's going to give a rocket up your backside when you're like, I'm not motivated, but I have five massive whys as to why my life needs to improve and why this is important. That will bring about the motivation. Right. No, and I love that. And, he, and, this, and I, I'm st staying on this because here's what's interesting. Those are just amazing reasons. What's funny is the actual dictionary definition of motivation has nothing to do with emotion. The actual dictionary definition of motivation is simply having reasons for doing something. When we think of motivation, people want to feel like the rock on an Under Armour commercial. They're like, I just have this feeling and desire to actually go lift weights and to do this. It's like, we're lazy people. Like, of course, we don't want to do stuff like that. This, it, it's, just, it's part of the game. But motivation is less about emotion. It is all about reasons, exactly what you said, because it's, I would say this, it goes back to that dichotomy of that um, people are hypocritical. The amount of stuff, I deal with to clients all the time, how many things they do on the daily that they're not motivated to do. You're not motivated to pay your taxes. You're not motivated to go to your dead end job. You're not motivated to clean your house. You're not motivated to do anything productive. But why do you do? It's because the pain of the result when you don't do those things is worse. It hurts worse. What hurts worse? Doing it when you don't want to or having your lights shut off because you didn't go to work. It's not motivation, it's reasons. Exactly like you There's said. There's a quote, isn't there? It's like when the pain, the, when the pain of staying, no, when the pain of making change. Yeah, when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than this pain of change, that's when you'll, oh, you'll, I think you'll get your I'd ass in I'd quite like gear. to see you pick up your mic and just, just drop that there for all the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a second one, we'll do it. We'll do, we'll do, we'll do it with my second one. Like, I, I think second. just, just <laughs> last thing on the motivation as well, and something that I, I see all the time is, um, Imagine, Jared, if I said to you, I'm like, right, okay, so, you know, what are some non-negotiables in your life? Like, what do you absolutely love? And you're like, donuts. I love donuts. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, you know, you're no longer going to eat donuts. That is demotivating. So ra rather than thinking about how can we gain more motivation, I think we need to take a step back and look at our lifestyles and be like, what demotivating actions are we actually taking right now that is like actually preventing us getting to our goal and like such a big one that we see all the time is like the, the typical like cutting out carbs and stuff like that if you're normal if you're a normal human being you love carbohydrates if you're not a psychopath yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> so if you're cutting them out of your life no wonder you are so demotivated there's nothing to be motivated for there's no point living <laughs> so that's that's what i would call um raising your floor like a lot of times we have our ceiling and our floor and it's like people look at their, their ceilings, which are already high. And they're like, how can I get more motivated? How can I get better workouts? How can I do better? 
where it's like your, your high is already high. Why don't we just raise your floor instead of cutting out carbs? Why don't we just like give you more carbs instead of mm. um, doing workouts seven days a week, raise your floor. Let's do them three days a week where a lot of people are in such a hurry to just raise their ceiling even higher where it's like, it's already 10 feet tall. Let's raise your floor and just make that side of it easier. Man, I love yeah. that. So, so true. That. Yeah. And it, it, like we talk a lot about, I don't know if you touched on this, Jared, like we talk a lot about, um, about, and I think I learned this from Tony Robbins is like emotions govern your actions, which govern your results. And I think so often we're such emotional creatures. So like we're very hot on mm-hmm. our, on our clients becoming thinkers, you know, rather than just letting emotions, we always say make data driven decisions. If we make emotion driven, yep. d- driven decisions, that's when it often can like find us in a bit of a sticky puddle situation. And so things like, you know, and I'm sure you did it's like stress management. You know, we talk about like journaling, going for walks, like if they like meditating or taking a bath, all yep. these stress management tools. And at first I think a lot of clients are like, what the hell does that have to do in my weight loss journey? And I'm like, if we can better your everything, yeah, your handle on your emotions, your actions just can be better. Think about the times when you emotionally react with food as the byproduct. It's like if we can get your emotions better and you can seek out another way of dealing with that then cool, you're starting to help that relationship with food yeah. already. It's funny because I get the same thing because I have entire programs. Like I have a mentorship I run called the psychology of fat loss. And it's literally all we talk about. Like, yeah, where there's some work, there like 5% workouts and calorie guidelines. But 95% of it is talking about all this inner work, deep stuff. And some people are like, why does that even matter? Because it's here's why it's because everything everyone struggles with has nothing to do with calories and strength training knowing what to do, not doing it, discipline issues, motivation issues, emotional Mm -hmm. eating, binge eating, self-sabotage, the list goes on. None of that, you cannot succeed with any of that by less calories and more workouts. Mm -hmm. That's all healing your inner child. That's all handling your emotions. That's Mm -hmm. learning how to separate emotions from food. That's how letting go of old beliefs and identities and learning to adapt to new ones. It's, It's funny because all of that stuff that people struggle with has nothing to do with Workouts and nutrition, it has all to do with your relationship to yourself and how you Mm -hmm. handle your emotions because most people have been taught to suppress their emotions, which is why people's brains won't shut up when they go to bed or why people have anxiety out of nowhere or why they end up, they know what to do, they just don't do it. It's because you have this inner dichotomy of your inner world that has not been addressed and handled because no one teaches how to handle it, right? Every fitness coach, when it comes to emotional eating, says, just eat an apple. Like, what kind of fucking (laughs) advice is that? Like, are you kidding me? Like, or it's like, well, I struggle with binge eating. Get it out of the house. Are you a fucking idiot? Like, that's not going to fix the problem. It's handling your emotions and yourself separately from food and learning how to become bulletproof around this stuff and not just suppressing it. You don't get rid of an infection by putting a Band-Aid on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's the same exact thing. And it's so true. It gets me all fired nah, up, man. I'm telling it's you. It's good. It's, um, <laughs> pick up the mic again. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's so important. It's so important. Like we said, the problem is, is that everyone always looks at what they want. They want weight loss. Whereas actually you've got to look at what you need. Too many times everyone looks at the problem. I say this analogy all the time. When you do a diet and you just focus on like the nutrition and, and all you're doing is focusing on the problem. The problem is an overconsumption in calories. The answer to that is creating a calorie deficit. That's what a diet and that's what most people do. What you've got to look at is the underlying causes. Because if you don't do that, you are literally never going to get sustainable. Eventually the tape, the tape is going to come off that leaky tap. Mm. You're literally going to have, a, not only is your bathroom going to be like bust, it's going to get bust the more you keep putting tape on because you're not going to be in the house to stop that. So like you, one right. of our clients said it, and I think I said it on the last podcast, you end up dieting yourself fat because you end up creating a worse relationship with food, making the causes worse than they are because you've never addressed it. Like, And you can keep like 
just hitting a calorie deficit and a listen fat loss. But at the end of the day is you have to work on those things, those things about the, the causes, you know, your relationship with food, understanding about how you look at food with as an emotional crutch and all these things. And it isn't fancy, it isn't sexy. And people are like, oh, I don't care about that. Like, I just want the weight loss. And it's like, you will never be successful if you only ever focus on the weight loss as this little identity here. You have to focus on everything around it. Otherwise, it's literally like having a puzzle that's a 300 piece puzzle and you only focus on the on the first 10 pieces. It's like, you've got to get that whole right. puzzle together. It's It's your foundation. You in your relationship to yourself and how you handle emotions is your foundation of everything you do, which is why there's no coincidence to why when people get their relationship with their self better with this stuff, their marriage gets better. They make more money at work. They're happier. They make better friendships. The toxic relationships leave. It's because when you level up your foundation of who you are, it affects everything in your life. It's why a clean freak has like someone who's a, just a freaking germaphobe clean freak. Why their house is spotless. Their dog is spotless. Their office is spotless and their car is spotless because they took that identity to everything in their life. It's the same thing with this is you now raise your vibration and your energy and who you are. And then you take that to work, to your relationships, to weight loss, to your hobbies, to whatever. And it just enhances everything. But saying, I'm going to wait on that. I just want the result is literally like telling a home builder, forget the foundation, just put the walls and ceiling up. It'll be fine. Yeah. And it doesn't work. Yeah, and you probably have that with your clients as well. Same as us. Like when your clients like finish with you, when our clients finish with you, we're not your clients finish with you and our clients finish with us. Um, don't, don't leave us. Uh, is that they not only say you've helped me lose weight, but like you have literally had a, such an impact on my life. It's like not just weight loss. Yeah. It's like the way that I go about my marriage, like arguments, friends, the way that I, you know, learn how to maybe say no instead of saying yes to everything all the time and causing yourself yep. more stress. Like they're like every aspect of my life is better once I've left. And you're like, that's mm -hmm. what your job is. I think is not only for weight loss yes but if you can have someone become a better person like there's no money on this earth that can ever buy that right it's almost like i hate the term life coach but it's almost like you you like life coached them with like the gateway of fitness and fat loss yeah. but it fixed everything else Huge. you know what i mean that's the way i kind of Huge. view it because like if i just put on instagram i'm a life coach like a 29 year old life coach like what the fuck is going on? what what the, what's what's <laughs> what could, what have you gone through it's like no, no no i can teach you how to lose weight and handle your emotions and that just applies to everything else. So. But this is the thing, isn't it? Like there's, and I don't think people realize this. And this is, I guess, especially for more for some coaches, if, if you're listening, is like, if you have a client come to you and, you know, they're telling you that, you know, their relationship sucks, they hate their job, like everything about their environment to them sucks. Maybe food to them is the only ounce of satisfaction they get in enjoyment. Do you think- it's grounding. Yeah. Do you think by me all of a sudden saying like, right, I need to slash your calories further. That is going to do anything for you. You need to start addressing, you know, some of the the actual root problems there. We've said this before, like to people, and it's like, you know, it's a wrong thing to say, but like maybe if you are in like a toxic relationship, is that toxic relationship the reason why you are overweight? Potentially. No, and, and that's the thing. That's a, it's a hard one, but it's one of the things a good coach does is has have these conversations. I tell everyone, I'm not your rah-rah guy. I'm not your my goal is not to motivate people. My goal is to tactically give them the strategies to help fix the problem. Imagine if you had cancer and your doctor just came in there and was just rah-rah. It's like, I don't want you to motivate me. I want you to get rid of my <laughs> yeah. effing cancer. Mm -hmm. I view this game the same way. And too many coaches are scared to have these very rough, not so comfortable conversations. But if you don't have them, nothing good is going to come out. Yeah.
we're exactly that. Um, so I just want to, we, we've obviously nearly had you on for an hour now, so I don't want to keep too much of your time, but going to do a slight uh, transition here to uh, this means absolutely nothing to me, but um, BJJ, a blue belt, is that a big deal? Or could I still take you because it's not black? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so, uh, so <laughs> it is definitely not a black belt. Um, in jujitsu, it's the first advanced rank. So um, in the martial art world, because because so it's one of my, I, I just document just my life on like Instagram and like my vlog and stuff. So I love jujitsu, like literally right before, like I still have my jujitsu pants on. Like I literally got in the door from <laughs> practice this morning and got right on this podcast. So like, I still have these like Royal blue pants on, but, um, but no, with jujitsu, uh, it's a little bit different than most other martial arts. The ranking system is totally different. It takes forever. It's super slow, but the first advanced rank is a blue belt. I mean, I've been doing jujitsu for like two years. I would have probably had it a year and a half if I didn't blow out my meniscus and I was out for oh, six well. months. Ouch. But yeah, that was cute. Um, <laughs> but but uh, but no, I just got my blue belt. I've been training for a couple of years. So so it's, it's not really on topic, but I, I, I think I heard somewhere. Uh, am I right in saying like no matter what level you're at, once you finish your session, like no matter what color your belt is, like you will get onto the mats and scrape them down together. Like there's no like hierarchy thing there. It's all like very camaraderie. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, jujitsu is generally with most academies are pretty chill. Like there's still like a hierarchy. Like obviously the black belt is way smarter and better at this than I am because I'm just a blue belt, but, um, and then blue belts theoretically should be better than white belts, but there's cases where a white belt might like a white belt might tap out a blue or a purple belt, not trying to toot my own horn, but like I've tapped brown belts before and I'm as a white belt, I've tapped brown belts. So like Technically, there's like the belt hierarchy, but like once you get on that mat and slap hands, it's just you're all part of the same team. Let's it's go. not like, yeah, it's not like there's like no one has anything to prove. You just everyone wants to get in there and train and get better. It's very much just like what any in team like environment should be like. You know, you're not trying to prove yourself. You're not trying to like see who's got, you know, the biggest ego. It's like, hey, you just want to roll, you know. And what I love as well is like because I, I can see and I've seen from your Instagram um, like your your passion for it and Typically what we see is like so many people turn to exercise as a tool for fat loss straight off the bat. And like they do all of these different kinds of exercise in an, in an attempt to, you know, reach their goals. I think, you know, as many calories burnt is going to be the best session. But if you can actually fall in love with a sport that you love, what a difference that makes. What a difference, doesn't it? To be totally honest with you, half the reason two years ago when I got um, in jujitsu was because I quit enjoying strength training. Don't get me wrong. I still work out and, you know, use all this stuff behind me and, and, and strength train, but I don't love it like I used to, you know, back in my early days of training, I loved getting and smashing the weights. I just don't love it anymore. I do it for my discipline and I do it just because the benefits of it, but I don't like, I used to train six days a week just because I loved working out. Now I don't love working out like that anymore. And I'm the fitness guy, but I think it's so important to find something that that's in that realm that you just love, like I'll, I'll, this, this is a crazy week, but I'll end up being on the mats probably six times this week, which is a ton. Mm. I will literally probably have my Academy just added another class. And then there's this really cool seminar that's happening tonight. So like, so I'll probably be on the mats six sessions this week. I've already been on the, on the mats three times this week, which is a lot, but like, I don't think anything of it. Cause I just love it so much, you know, now fast forward five years, I might not want to train six times a week, but right now I love it. So like, it's, it's the art of being fluid. You know what I mean? Where there's nothing wrong with that. Like back when I was in college and I wanted to hit the weights with all my buddies, like six days a week and be a meathead. Like, 
that was great. But I don't want to like marry that where like, oh, I still have to go train six days a week. It's like, nah, I, I have a very minimalist training style, but I love training on the mats and rolling with my buddies and doing jujitsu. So then I'll show more attention to that. But who knows what's going to happen in five more years? You know what I mean? And I think that's part of the magic with this stuff is like, you don't have to be married to one thing. It's half the issues like with a lot of the systems out there is a CrossFitter feels like they can't not be a CrossFitter or a keto zealot feels like they have to eat keto and they feel like if they quit eating keto, they're cheating on their wife. It's like, it doesn't have to be like that. Yeah. Yes, you, so you're just constantly trying to like bet yourself, aren't you? Like, this is what I love, especially with BJJ is like, there's a belt system does inspire you to like, keep going back, keep going back, like keep trying to better yourself as a person. And this is why I don't know what your thoughts are on CrossFit, but I got into the best shape of my life doing CrossFit without even wanting to get in to the best shape of my life. It was just in like, it was like a byproduct of me trying to get a better 2K row, do more chin-ups, like do Fran quicker. Like it was all just a byproduct of me. Like all, What's interesting is those are all performance-based goals. And this is, that's one of the things like I love, I love about the CrossFit community is it's the, the culture it breeds and the, the community around itself that it, that it breeds. And, and it's also performance-based goals. People get too engrossed in like fat loss mm. that they like get trapped by it. But like half the, t- I mean, shoot, I, I roll with a guy who ended up losing over a hundred pounds just because he, by the time he hit a purple belt, he lost over a hundred pounds because he just rolled and just trained and loved jujitsu and going through the ranks and being on the mats. And he lost a hundred pounds, it's So good. It, but it's the same thing. It just like that is you got into CrossFit, but got in the best shape of your life just because you enjoyed the game. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And I think that's, that ties nicely into like how kind of like weight loss works. We say, don't focus on losing weight. Focus. Break it down and focus on the process goals, stuff that you can do each day, which is going to take you to the big outcome goal. Professional sports teams all have the same outcome goal. They want to win the league. They want to win the season, whatever it is. But it's the process by which they train, they eat, they sleep, they recover. That what the picks them the part. Yeah, it's the systems that they have in place that end up that this is just the byproduct, you know? And if you can find something that you enjoy that gives you this relevant outcome, you've literally hit the jackpot. Like, because it, it, it is effortless. You don't need motivation. You are just going through the reps and it is just coming. You know, you're becoming what it is that you want to become. I love that. It's so amazing. Because I think the other reason that works that no one talks about, that why that works so well is when no one talk, that no one talks about is too often it goes back to the operating out of lack mentality. Lack doesn't create abundance, right? Like if you go to buy a car and you can tell the salesman is operating out of like, I can't pay my mortgage, you feel that because it affects his energy and his execution. It's no different here. Too many people are like, I need to lose weight. I need to lose weight. I have to lose weight. And they're desperate for it. Then they're de- like, when they're like, I know I need to do this and they're chasing it. Well, when you chase, you're declaring I'm separate from, but when you're like, no, I want to do Murph faster. When I want to get my, you know, hundred meter dash faster. When I want to get my blue belt, when I want to, you're not operating out of a place of lack, you're operating out of a place of, of have, you know what I yeah. mean? Love that. Mate, I could, uh, I could, uh, I've just got so many more questions that I want to ask you. And like, we're going to have to get you. Yeah. Oh my God. It's no, absolutely not going to soft. But um, <laughs> honest, honestly, it's, uh, it, we're going to have to get you back on the show again, for sure. I would love it. Um, love it man. But I've just got one final question for the listeners. So say someone is listening to this podcast and maybe they're just starting out their like their weight loss journey or they're feeling like really over confused or stressed about the whole process what is just some small practical tips that you would give them to kind of walk away with today that that can put them on the right path of the trajectory they want to go down i love that 
Uh, I would a few things. I would say number one, um, there's no hurry. There's no timeline. There's no weird clock in the corner saying you have <laughs> ten nice. minutes left to lose weight. Uh, there's no timeline. There's no there's no end date. So take a big deep breath and go. Okay, I don't have to to do this crazy fast. Think from the end. If you're if you could not do it for the next twenty years, it's not worth doing. Hmm. Right? I view it like building a house. Every person that the builder who built your house made every decision 100 years into the future. They said, if I frame it this way, will it be here in 100 years? And if the answer was no, they didn't do it. If the answer was yes, they did it. So you're building your house. And if what you're doing, you could not do for the next 20 years, not that you're going to be dieting for 20 years, but hypothetically, let's say you were, could you do it and will you still be struggling? Uh, And then third is fix things at the root cause, which is not calories and strength training. It is your relationship to yourself and your emotions which means there's more than likely deep rooted shit from when you were about eight years old that you're still living in, which means you need to do some inner child work. It means you need to really sit with yourself and do the inner work. A lot of people want inner results without doing inner work. They're not meditating. They're not sitting in silence. They're not journaling. They're not going to therapy. They're not handling their emotions separately from food. And I would say those are the three best actionable places to start to start doing stuff every day. That's going to connect you deeper to yourself, sit in silence for 10 minutes a day, and it'll fix half your problems. And if, from the fat lossy side, if what you're doing is not sustainable for the next 20 years, it's worthless. Mate, I absolutely love all that. Like so many valid points. And I, you've probably got a list long as your arm as well you want to dive into, but I appreciate so much you coming on the podcast, man. It's It's been an absolute blast and I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to know you a little better. And uh, y- you are going to be on the show again. <laughs> it's not a case of <laughs> Let's, if, I'm it's all just about when. It, man. I, I would love to be back on the show. And next time so. we'll eat donuts. Like we'll just sit here and snack the, Next donuts, time we man. will plan, we will all have a donut yeah. together. Absolutely. <laughs> man, it's been, it's been an absolute blast. Um, Absolutely, fellas. I appreciate you guys having me on. It means a lot. Cool. So. Yeah, thank, so, thanks so much. You can also, we'll put uh, Jared's relevant links in the description of the podcast as well so we sort to check him out and yeah we will see you guys in the next episode awesome. thanks guys cheers man hey, hey.